On this episode, we discuss the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Okay, real quick, can I just enact the escape clause right now and not have to do this episode? No, you're, you're cursed. Oh. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And before we get into our normal tomfoolery and Jack Cornery and, and sitting in a cornery and putting mm-hmm. our summary into Christmas pies and pulling out a plumbery, I wanted to introduce our very special guest today. That's right. It's that time of the year, the holiday season. And so we couldn't do an episode without our favorite holidays, although we should have him on for non-holiday movies also guest. He is the film reviews editor for The Wrap. He's co-host of a vast universe of podcasts, and he's the author of the book Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas and co-author of I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies. That's right. You already knew who it was before I started the introduction. Alonzo Duralde, our favorite. Thank you so much for joining us, Alonzo. Happy holidays, everybody. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, the, my spoke in the wheel has come back. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. This at once once a year, you have to come and help us to guide our way through this strange time we call Christmas time, or Yuletide, or <laughs> Xmas. I know the or, Yuletide is rising. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you look at Dan's search history, triple Xmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to show you the true state of the union of Christmas flops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, be, uh so. On this on this podcast, Dan, what do we normally do? Well, we we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. That's uh-huh. the simplest way, and yep. perhaps the simple old it's ways are best. It's worked all this time to say um, it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, but there are a few things Dan I, wants to amend it. it no, no. There like. are a few things I want to say <laughs> up top. If you're at home, you know, throwing your phone into the the local pond or water treatment, like off off ramp. I don't know. What, sure. what am I looking for? Yep. A local pond off ramp so that the frogs <laughs> know how to get in and out of the ponds. Yeah. Those, uh, yeah. If you're, if you're angry, I was about to say that there's no cage miss content here. I just want to say a quick word about cage miss. Um, I'm not saying cage miss is dead people, but we've seen this last year. There was a, there was a book, a retrospective book. The Age of Cage by Keith Phipps, who we really should ask to be on the show to talk about it at some point. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, that's true, yeah. There's, uh, there was a movie uh, that was very meta about Cage's career. Uh-huh, yeah. And, Pig, Ca- and yeah. Mr. Nicholas Cage seems to have paid off all of his castle debts and is back to making movies that he's chosen perhaps more wisely. Uh, all these things together. There's a I war think- on Cagemus. <laughs> There's a war <laughs> led by Nicholas Cage himself. And, and I'm, also, glad I'm glad we're right up top. We're alienating all the new listeners who are like, I love the Santa Claus 3. I want to hear these dudes talk about yeah. it. <laughs> no, I'm just also, you know what? I mean, after all these years, Nicholas Cage, I've been uncomfortable with the memification of a man who I think is a good actor and our own part in it. I'm not saying that like in the future, if we don't have a good Cage movie, we're not going to bite right into that apple. But perhaps mm. not every year. Uh, going going well, that, forth, we're not we're we not going to force the, it. We don't have the material. <laughs> I think. Well, it's. I. It reminds me of when when I worked at the Daily Show, mm. and people would be like, "Oh, this Bush," because it was back when Bush was president. This Bush, yeah, the worst president he's, we've he's, ever had, right? 
Uh, I mean, the fact that two of the worst presidents in American history happened this in like the mm-hmm. past 20 years in this century mm-hmm. kind of sucks. But uh, one almost after another. But uh, the that people would be like, you don't like him as president, but you must love that he's that he's doing the job because he gives you so much material. And be like, no, I don't. I would rather the show get canceled than the country be doing well. And I feel that way about Nicolas Cage. Like, I love him as an actor. I th- I would just rewatched Vampire's Kiss recently, which people are like, look at this crazy performance. But I love that performance. Yeah, it's I think, great. and like, yeah. and I think a good year. This was a good year for Nicolas Cage, and I would rather he have a good year and be respected as the actor he is than he be forced to make just crap after crap <laughs> so that we have something to talk again. about. And you know what? Yeah, so the other yeah. thing is, more. <laughs> I was very excited to talk about. Santa Claus 3 with our pal Alonzo Duralde <laughs> more than I was to try and watch the Nicolas Cage movie mm-hmm. right now. So let's get yeah. into that piece of shit we just watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so real quick, we're talking about the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause, which is the third in a series, a series of movies I've seen none of. Really? I've seen none of, but Dan here- <laughs> Really, you said, as if as if it would make sense for Stuart to track down each of these family movies <laughs> starring Tim Allen. I feel like by some sort of cultural osmosis- people in general I mean, have seen the first Santa Claus I mean, movie. I saw the first Santa Claus which was when a I big was a kid. Hit. I was, yeah, I was 12, I think, when it came out. And I saw that in the theaters. But Santa Claus 2, I didn't see. See, at that point, uh, I was like, what, 14? So I was already watching hardcore pornography <laughs> and exactly. see death the and shit, so. But if, if Stuart had said, well, I've never seen Galaxy Quest, I would say, really? That's the Tim that Allen family movie. Wild, I would be surprised yeah. for Stuart not to have seen. Uh, but, so Dan, you actually, would you like to tell us, Stuart, sorry to take your thunder. Dan, would you like to tell us about the research project that you put together before watching this and then fill us in on the previous history of the films? Well, last night, Audrey was like, so we're going to watch uh, the Santa Claus before watching the Santa Claus 3, right? And I'm like, are we? And she, and she said, you know. She goes, happy wife, happy life, Dan. So, yeah, yeah, you're watching the Santa Claus. Um, and points I mean, maybe to the I sign they have the on their wall. Of that myself, but I, you know, I was like, sure, you know, because it was a favorite from her childhood. And I watched it in the theater, too, when it first came out. And that was the last time I had seen or thought about the Santa Claus. Um, but... It was like, but once we were into the Santa Claus, I was like, I kind of want to watch the Santa Claus 2 as well. And so it turned into a three-movie marathon last night because just because I was curious about how they could possibly keep pushing this premise into that's, that's different right. directions. That's right, listeners. Last night, Dan had every man's dream, a threesome of Santa Claus movies. <laughs> All three clauses. Now, I haven't red. seen that, but I can, I can assume that the first one is the Santa Claus, Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus. Okay, yes. And the second one is the Santa Claus to Santa Horny, and they need to find him a wife. <laughs> that That is essentially kind of. it. I want to I want to get into it just with a little more depth. I promise I won't. Take up too much time before we get to the movie no, we're essentially talking about. Please don't. Uh, Santa Claus 1, very much um, in right in the middle of those 90s family films, which are much more about a depressed, divorced dad than you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why was this the family film thing? Like, we have to show, like, Tim Allen, at the beginning of the Santa Claus, is a genuine asshole. Like, not like a comedy asshole, just like this. Weird, that must have been a real stretch for actor Tim Allen. (laughs) Not a very nice man in real life. But, but like, he, you know, I mean, this is 
also of the time, like therapy was mistrusted even in the mid nineties, as recently as the mid nineties. Uh, there are a lot of jokes about how judge Reinhold's, uh, stepfather character is, uh, a therapist and how that's bad somehow, I guess, because he cares about emotions and is nice. Unlike Tim <laughs> Allen, his Cosby uh, sweaters. Yeah. And every time he's on screen, they play like yoga music. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I mean, he, well, it, well, in like, this one, he takes up yoga, but yeah. Well, it's like it, how in the, in 80s movies, the idea of sushi was automatically a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Only a crazy, weird, rich person in a city would think to eat sushi. And now it's something that is all over the place. Yes. Or, or, but, or, I mean, literally, I need to clean it up. It's all over my house. It, it's just a mess. <laughs> cell phones, even. Like the early big brick cell phones. Yeah. If you had one in a movie, you were an irredeemable douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's basically like now we're we're all super cool. Woo! That's basically the Santa Claus. <laughs> we're we're a rich guy who who pours his every thought into a cell phone just to share it with the world is just is a philosopher king of some kind. Yeah. There's basically, that's basically the Santa Claus one. <laughs> the arc is him becoming slightly less of an asshole through becoming Santa Claus. Through, through killing Santa Claus <laughs> and then taking on the and then taking on his role like Craven the Hunter, <laughs> yeah. kill, burying Spider-Man alive and then putting his costume More on like to prove he's better than the spider. Yeah. yeah a lesson sure, we yeah. can like all apply to our, our lives. That, 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 that Tim Allen, Tim Allen, the only way he can he can move forward emotionally is to take Santa's place, bones and all, <laughs> and, and and experience that high. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. The Saint so, Nick skin suit. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, Santa Claus 2 is, of course, as you say, they discover a previously unknown clause that he has to have a wife. Uh, now, where is this clause coming from? Because there's also the escape like, clause. Who made these laws? I think the, like, it's uh, that, that thing where if you're going to have a NBC late night show, you have to get married. Isn't that why Jimmy Fallon got married? Did he? I don't know. It seemed like I mean, he came out been- of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was married before he had that show. Uh, Maybe okay. I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Christmas magic is the answer to anything that confuses you. <laughs> okay. And Christmas um, lawyers, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, Spencer Breslin, kid Spencer Breslin, we will see less young kid Spencer Breslin in, in the movie we're talking about today, uh, past his uh, cell by, by date, I would say, unfortunately. Sorry, Mr. Wow. Breslin. Wow. There are people wow. who were child actors who should not wow. have then been actors wow. when they were not wow. young. Well, I guess someone's not watching A Christmas Story Christmas. Anyway. <laughs> uh, he discovers this clause, and for some reason, the, he, like, tells numbers that's who I. That's how I think of that guy. Whatever his ad, David Crumholtz. <laughs> yes, his most famous role. Yes, num- num- three as numbers. The, the, as, as- the math detective. <laughs> um, he uh, like above his objection. Spencer Breslin's like we gotta. The the elves are gonna get nervous with Santa out of town, so we have to use this uh, toy cloning machine I've made to create a toy robot version of Santa. So of course, there's the logical. Uh, Mrs. Claus plot, and then we keep cutting back to uh, the the fun stuff at the North Pole, where Santa Claus, the robot, goes crazy, thinks all of the children are too mean, like that we're too lenient on kids. Love it. Decides that he's going to give them all coal and creates an army of uh, large tin soldiers to enforce his will. Perfect. But and does he do like a cool dance like Megan? Yeah. And at the end of it, uh, <laughs> yes. And at the end of it. Uh, Tim Allen convinces Elizabeth Mitchell, the uh, the um, Juliet from Lost. Yes, Juliet from Lost. But the the principal at his kid's school, he has learned that his kid was naughty, which is part of the reason why he's home as well. Uh, the mm. principal at his kid's school, he convinces her to marry him after like I think 
one date uh, on the basis of, he says, you've known Santa all your life. And I'm like, that was a different Ooh, Santa. Creepy. First off, it's creepy. Secondly, it's yeah. factually incorrect because that Santa was a different <laughs> guy that you killed. Um, but anyway. But so maybe I think, there's I mean, some kind of like, uh, there's like some kind of shared memories, identity type thing, <laughs> right? That's possible. Right? I, I think, you'd that think there is <laughs> some sort of, yes, there's a cultural memory that gets passed down, a genetic sure, Santa yeah. memory that. Uh, yeah, Carl, yeah, Jung talks about that, the collective <laughs> Santa conscious. Yeah. The, I, so Santa's basically proposing to her the same way that like Steven Tyler would hit on a much too young woman is like, you've been hearing me all my life. You know me. Yeah. Like, that's, that's gross. <laughs> Basically. So that's enough of that. I'll let Stuart, who's- Love in I an elevator, is, that's about us. Oh, He's man, champing man. at the bit, right? Yeah. To talk about Santa Claus at the bit, baby. Um, so <clears throat> movie opens with a Disney logo and a snow globe. Uh, is that- do they do that with all the Santa Claus? I don't think so. I think it was just this one. First Although time, it's like the them, smoky uh, Lord of the Rings New Line logo. <laughs> all of yeah, them have I mean, this, very cheap credits sequences. They, they look, this, the credits look this cheap. This movie has a lot of snow globe material in it, so maybe that's what. But you're right. Oh, the, really? The opening credits. Okay. I'll check my <laughs> notes, but I don't I'm not, remember I'm, it. I'm, in, I'm informing the <laughs> listeners, too. I'm not telling you. The uh, the The— the, yeah, the credits do look very cheap. Yeah, it yeah. looks like it. It right off the bat, it looks like a TV movie more than a theatrical mm -hmm. release. And uh, yeah. Alonzo, you've seen a lot of TV movies uh, more than anyone probably should. Yes, uh, and I this was I was you know we we talked about this particular movie on on deck the Hallmark this year, and one of the co-hosts there said that he read that the. The budget for this movie was twelve million dollars, which just seems impossible to me because I don't think you get the, your your one and two on the call sheet for this movie for twelve million. But uh, given how janky a lot of it looks, it's not out of the question, I suppose. Yeah, ten million went to, to Tim Allen, and the rest was distributed <laughs> around. Uh, the okay, so the movie opens in the North Pole. The North Pole kind of looks like like Disneyland. Dressed up for Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. It looks kind of like a yeah. theme park. Um, yeah. it's, it's the happiest place that children are used as slave labor mm -hmm. to make toys for other <laughs> now children. Those are happiest. elves, Elliot. They're just played they're, by children. They're they're just they're children with funny looking ears. Like that's what they are. They're children with submariner it's ears. It's the happiest place at Magnetic North. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh so we open with Mrs. Claus teaching elf school. Uh, again, I don't know if they're elf. Are they elf children? I don't know because they're all children. All the elves it's, are children. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing for her to be teaching school for adults unless this is like a night school so these these elves can have degrees that will then help them rise through yeah, the ranks. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's the, again, it's the, it's more the evidence baby that Yoda children. thing. You know, he's actually 50, mm -hmm. so like who even knows? <laughs> I, I do also want to say – about Elizabeth Mitchell. Baby Yoda's get start. Baby Yoda started getting his social security checks, but he's just a baby. <laughs> I know, but he's he's old enough technically. Yeah. It's a Benjamin Button kind of thing. <laughs> Elizabeth Mitchell in this movie at the end of Santa Claus. That's why Yoda talks backwards. Jesus Christ, because he's a Benjamin Button. <laughs> yes, that's, that's it. why uh -huh. he ages backwards and he talks backwards. And so he's Yoda seen so much history, normally. just like Benjamin yeah. Button. He's kind of experienced like America, hey, like we have. Hey, remember when the Beatles run Ed Sullivan? Benjamin Button watched that on TV too. <laughs> <sighs> That's why Brad a witness to puts history. all of the subjects of the sentences at the end in that movie. Because <laughs> yeah. it's backwards. Yeah. Okay, guys, Dan Dan has something funny to say. No, no it's not funny, but I certainly would oh, like good. to be able to get through an entire sentence without going back to the previous <laughs> bit at the very end of it. Um, no, I just wanted to say, in the, in the previous movie, Elizabeth Mitchell, there's a, a credit sequence where she like dances 
and lip syncs to a Christmas song or whatever, and they have Santa Claus her up in the credit sequence. You know, like they've done the fat suit, like slight oh, aging. Oh. I mean, not to the degree of Tim Allen, but she doesn't have a big bushy beard. Yes, <laughs> uh, but in this movie, like they clearly were like. We can't have that. Uh, Elizabeth M- Mitchell is a pretty woman, and we are Hollywood. We can't have her looking like that throughout the film. According like, to Wikipedia, they shot for a couple days with her in the like um, Zaftig Mrs. Claus like makeup, mm-hmm. and then they were like men and uh, like it was her face wasn't moving too enough, horny. But uh, no, I, I'm sure if anything, it was like not uh, not skinny and hot enough for the like, execs yeah. who are overseeing the, this movie. Who, yeah. who want to fuck Mrs. Claus? <laughs> Considering considering I work on a TV show that is an animated show about dogs, and a note that we would get would be basically, why aren't these dogs sexier? <laughs> so, well, why aren't the they? Idea that, That's, the idea yeah, that, that like, was a note you got from me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the idea that they're like, Santa Claus is a boss. Like, Santa Claus is a famous rich guy. He's got to have a hotter wife than this. <laughs> this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, when people are like, Hugh Jackman... There's no way he loves that woman. She's not at the same attractiveness level that he is, according to us. He's Wolverine, for God's sakes. This is Wolverine. He should be with Jean Grey or another woman with red hair or or Mariko, a Japanese woman. That's the only kind of people Wolverine can be with. Okay, so uh, Mrs. Claus, the elves don't want to learn, so she's like, I'll tell you a real fucking story. So we get a flashback. So the rest of the movie is basically a nested flashback, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and and the movie really needs this book, at those bookends, it right? Absolutely it would not be able to function it. without It would not them. make sense. I mean, that's the punchline. I'm going to make a case there's a point to this, but I'll, I'll wait till we get there. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, please do, because I was like, this is maybe the most unnecessary kind of like You're flashback. Gonna, you better start framing. building your fucking case, buddy. <laughs> Uh, so we are. So they say you can Phoenix write this shit at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah, so we the the story she's going to tell them is it seems to be her birth story. It begins with a false alarm. Mrs. Claus is pregnant. She's going to have Santa's child. Uh, we, I learn that it's not his first child because apparently that's information not co- uh, covered in the previous films. Um, Damien and, Hellstrom, uh, son of Santa. Exactly. <laughs> This is his first son, as first child as a Santa. Yes. Uh-huh. His previous children were as were as a normie. Which, by the this way, is his first time that he's in, infusing the power of Santa into his seed. This is one yeah. of the many questions that the Santa Claus raised for me that is not answered by the Santa Claus films, which is like, okay, Santa is having a child, like not from his previous pre-Santa life. He's having a child at the North Pole, but we've learned that also Santa is like a mantle that gets passed along. Are there other children from previous Santas living in the North Pole mad that their birthright does not go to them, but whoever might murder (laughs) their their father father didn't die in front of them (laughs) and they could put the coat on. Exactly. (laughs) That's a good question. I did. I once did a presentation many years ago at a, former guest Kevin Mars, one of his Kevin Geeks Out shows that was about Christmas. And I did a presentation about all the movies I could find that involve the children of Santa Claus. Because there's a lot of them where it's like oh. Jenny McCarthy yep. is Santa's daughter or Kelsey Grammer is Santa's son or whatever. Uh, there's one where, um, was it Matthew Modine, I think, is is uh, Santa's, I can't remember. But, Arthur uh, Christmas they, and, has a whole lineage and Noel. Yeah, Arthur Christmas. And, it was, and, I, and I was wondering, I kind of wondered the same thing. Although my presentation then went off on the idea that using the Santa Claus as a basis that Santa has now become viral, and at this rate of spread, the entire world will be Santa oh at a, by a certain point. 
But uh, this was pre-COVID, very, very prophetic. But uh, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot like there's a lot of unasked questions about what it means for Santa Claus to have a child, since a Santa Claus is not one person, but instead like the 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 kind of fan continuity of James Bond is a is a name and and a position that gets passed along from one to another. Or the Dread Pirate Roberts. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I and just it's say, don't go ahead. Yep. No, no, no. I'm, oh, please, let me go along with the plot here. So this, in addition to raising questions for you, it's raising some issues between Santa and Mrs. Claus because she is pregnant, she's due any day now, and also Christmas is coming up, so she's worried. Fat. Yeah, she's worried that she's going to deliver her baby while he's delivering presents. She also feels which would make lonely. make baby Jesus also, exactly. which would only complicate things further. And, and she's also lonely because she only has elves to hang out with. You know, if yeah. you've got like that one day a year that is absolutely booked, maybe you would like reschedule your, like, you know, um, uh, uh, what's the word I want here? Insemination. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> to maybe happen in the summer or something, you know. Well, they thought they were using the rhythm method because he's Catholic, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, they got they got the dates wrong. Uh, they, well, here's and this is one of the weird. And they, they were of the dead movie. set on wanting a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because uh, he really wanted his kid to have a reason to wear the jacket from Drive. Uh, so, <laughs> you don't need a reason, Elliot. The reason is because it's so it's, cool. Because it's a sweet jacket. And if yeah. you're Santa's kid, you really want to be born on Christmas Day because nothing is going to overshadow your birthday. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know, what yeah, a it's nightmare. like if 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 you're you're Wes Craven's child and you're born on Halloween, or you're uh, you're Gary Marshall's child and you're born. On any holiday, <laughs> uh, that here's the, the this is the and Stuart, I'm sure you're getting into this, but the crux of it, where it's like she's lonely, she's expecting her child, she wants to be with her parents. For some reason, this is a problem that get, this is a Gordian knot that no one can figure out how to untie. There's no way she could possibly leave the North Pole and go spend the time with her family. Something that pregnant women routinely do. All the many times, and yeah. and all she does is sit around in Santa Claus's office that features a Zardoz-like fireplace of Santa Claus's face. <laughs> well, wait, wait, that's wait. an amazing piece of set decoration. Dan, is that in the other movies? No, that is a, I don't. It's think a it bizarre was. piece of set decoration. And then when he comes down the chimney into it, it opens its mouth and goes like ho ho ho, <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah, they, but they I hung mean, on to that for the TV show. But I think yeah, it's introduced in three. It's what did it, what did it like? It's almost worth the movie being created just so that that exists. It's so frightening. Twelve million dollars, guys, all on the screen. It's a, <laughs> it's a somewhat manufactured conflict, but like it does make sense that like she wants to be with her husband when the birth happens, and he is super tied to being at the North Pole, being Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah that's true. Ellie, that's, you have kids. Would uh, I mean, what if your job delivering presents made you uh, miss the birth of your child? Yeah, <laughs> as a UPS man with those <laughs> tight shorts of yours. I, I mean, yeah, that, well, the shorts, thank you. They do show off my gams in a way that I'm very happy with. I mean, that's the thing about being a UPS guy is you're not just a, someone who delivers presents. You're a cultural and religious institution that goes back hundreds, if not thousands <laughs> of years. And so you really, ha yeah. the UPS driver is such a, such an important part of every child's holiday season, second only to the Hess truck, because every year there's going to be a new Hess truck and you got to buy oh, it. Time I, marches I on. There's a new Hess truck every year, Elliot. It's a fucking, it's just part of life. You have to accept yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, 
to quote Ben Franklin, there's nothing certain in this world but death taxes and a new Hess truck every year. Let's go get it. I thought when you said that the UPS driver was this cultural thing, you were going to talk of, of course, the cave paintings of all the gals in the steno pool being horny for the UPS guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That goes in Lascaux. You can see the, I mean, you can't go see them now in person, but you can see the pictures of them. Yeah. yeah. If you, in a, there's a whole in, Herzog in, documentary in, about this. Yeah, his documentary, Cave of Forgotten UPS Fantasies. <laughs> anyway, you see it in 3D because the, they painted – the way they painted on the rock so that the phallus of the UPS driver points right out at you <laughs> using the natural rock projection. I, like, so, I yeah. like to think I'm speaking for fans of the show everywhere where I say I need to hear somebody use the phrase bad dad, Santa dad before <laughs> this episode is over. <laughs> Oh, you're yeah. right. He is. That's exactly what he is. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. He. Uh, so yeah. he is also kind of being a bad Santa, not like in the movie Bad no. Santa, but he's no, kind no. of neglecting his duties in anticipation for this. Uh, for this checking lists board. only once, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's 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 his mind is neither on his work nor on his, the coming baby because he's trying to do it all. So as, can, a, can a Santa have it all? That's the question of the movie. Yeah, so, again, relatable. So as we said, the <laughs> it seems like the solution is for Mrs. Claus's parents to come up and spend time with her during the holidays and during her birth. However- uh -huh. Those in-laws are not uh, are not aware of her their son-in-law's profession or identity. and identity. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Now I want to say, having not really paid that much attention to the credits, I thought to myself, now if I was going to cast a man to play a sort of a maybe disapproving father-in-law who doesn't know that his kid his his daughter's married to Santa uh -huh. and is has to be the subject of this elaborate ruse where they say that they're in Canada and not the North Pole, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Who would I cast? And Robert I thought to myself, Alan Arkin. <laughs> Robert, Alan Arkin, yeah, yeah. And lo and behold, there he was. <laughs> Ta-da. There's, there's only one issue with that, which, and I'll mention this, is that there's a line coming up where uh, his wife, Anne Margaret, says something about like, well, I know you've never been all that into Christmas. And I want him to say, because I'm Jewish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it never comes up. And it just, that was the only thing that stuck for me was I was like, why would you cast such an obviously Jewish actor to play this part? But I mean, That's why he's a so great dubious. actor. It's really funny. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Because uh, I want it, or like when at the, at, you know, spoiler alert, when they finally learn the identity of Santa Claus, for him to be like, he's just like, this is great. As if like, he did, it doesn't burn inside him that oh, we got, Santa Claus has, we is, a, is, really a, is one of the number one anti-Semites on in the his world. You know, realization. But once we get there, <laughs> when we get there, when we get there, yeah. Okay, so uh, this will require a little bit of subterfuge. Uh, we get a meeting of the legendary figures. <laughs> so these are uh, some kind of a council of yes. kind of a random assortment of names that somebody <laughs> it's, picked out. These were in it's two. very miscellaneous. These were in yeah. parts we introduced. It, in part it's, two, it's not, Santa it's Claus not even two, Rise of the Guardians. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and so the, do you, do you, who, who wants, to, is it okay if I go through the go, names or Stuart, do you it. want to go through who's on the you, council? You're very excited. Why don't you do it, Elliot? Okay. The Council of Legends, it, it has all, all those, all the, all the most hits. important characters, all the top hits. There's the Easter Bunny, who mm -hmm. is gross <laughs> throughout the movie. <laughs> yep. There's Cupid, as played by Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock, <laughs> who's just me like mood floating around, kind of like, in shrinkened uh, with like the the <laughs> yeah. old style like just like video com compositing. <laughs> then there's the Tooth Fairy, the Sandman, Father Time, Sandman Mother Nature. played by Michael Dorn, dude. Get your fucking yeah, so, bat left, baby. <laughs> so I don't. It's hard for me to recognize him without plastic prosthetic forehead ridges on they his, tried, his forehead. They considered it, I'm sure, for this movie. <laughs> 
And the, here's the thing. Okay, guys, here's what we're going to play a little thing of and Mother Nature and Father Time. And, of course, Peter Boyle is, is Father Time, but he doesn't get to do or say very By the much. way, I want to uh, say Peter Boyle, a character who in the first movie plays Tim Allen's boss, and then they oh, just bring him back right. oh in two God. or three. Oh, as, because Father Time is the boss of a, boss of us I all. So. The end. <laughs> now, guys, I'm, we're going to play a little game of choose your own adventure here. Should we, if you want to hear me be slightly more woke than I probably need to be, and read a racial subtext into some of the casting that I probably shouldn't, but it's there, tell me. If you don't want me to do that, and we could just go on with a summary, tell me that. I mean, I, I think I can guess what no, it I wanna, is. No, I want to hear this about it. <laughs> okay, what I want to say is that, so all of these actors, all these characters, these legendary characters, setting aside the fact that of all these legendary characters, they they either belong with, uh, except for the uh, Cupid and I guess uh, the Tooth Fairy uh, and Father Time Mother. Actually, you know what? There's the, the, only, the only holidays that are represented are either Valentine's Day or uh, Christian holidays. Uh, setting aside that, that the only... Black actors, the only actors of color on this council are Aisha Tyler as Mother Nature mm-hmm. and Michael Dorn as the Sandman. That the only two actors on this council are playing the sleepy guy who's always falling asleep and the woman who is connected to nature and therefore, I guess, has more of a uh, – is, is, is An earthy less, uh, quality, literally. earthy and you can read into it less civilized quality. And I know this is probably them trying – to be diverse in their casting. But it's like, why can't a black actor be the tooth fairy? Like, why, why do the black actors have to be the characters who are either falling asleep all the time or are more in tune with nature than us white people? And I was like, this is them. Probably, I don't, I assume there's no, I assume they weren't like, well, yeah, of course the sleepy guy has to be black. You've like, given much more thought to, to the casting of Santa Claus 3 than anyone involved. Anyone involved than anyone Santa Santa ever has. Did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Are you well, saying this I, Sandman in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was also a racial stereotype in a video game that is otherwise super not racist <laughs> at all? I Well, the only reason I would say no to that is because the Sandman in that, the whole thing is that he puts you to sleep as opposed to this Sandman who is in constantly Soviet sleeping. Russia. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or maybe it's, or maybe I'm reading into it wrong, and it's a reference to the Sandman from the Apollo uh, theater. You know, uh, theater. Oh, but you know, I, it was just one of those things. Uh-huh. Where, the same way that or in uh, fucking Morpheus, I don't know. The same way that it was in like uh, in the movie Meg, where the one black character was like, "I can't swim," and and no, it's not because I'm black. And it was like, "Well, why can't you the black character just know how to swim?" <laughs> like that's like they. I feel like there's a it's saying, I guess Santa Claus three try harder, but they don't really try with anything <laughs> no. in the movie. So. Um, I think you missed the boat on getting them to try anything. <laughs> so we we get the final member of the legendary figures who is <laughs> Look, who Santa is Claus the subject. 3, I know you're a 16 year old movie, but try better. <laughs> It's never too late to change. <laughs> so we get the we we get the subject of this meeting, uh, Jack Frost, the legendary figure who has been causing a real problem around uh, around the world because he is jealous that he does not have a holiday associated with himself. Jack Frost looks like one of those cherry popping Dannys, uh, dressed <laughs> up in like a zoot suit with like icicle hair, like Guy Fieri hair, and like multiple wallet chains. He looks amazing. Played, of course, <laughs> I by don't, I don't remember Martin the wallet yeah, chains. He has, he has like four wallet does chains. He? he didn't see does that. Yeah. Really? Okay. I mean, maybe it's a watch fob. I don't. I don't know. You're no. I mean, I check the fucking up. tape, everybody. Okay. Uh, so 
uh, Jack Frost's in trouble because he's he's trying to upstage Santa. He's using his frost powers. He's got magic, everybody. Um, and he's less popular. And they bring up the idea of the escape clause where uh, – was the escape clause mentioned in previous Santa Claus? No, movies? these are oh, all no. just new things Brand that are being okay, invented uh, to extend the brand. So yeah. – uh, as as punishment for his crimes, of which they are legion, uh, Jack Frost is sentenced to do- I mean, his crime seems to mainly be that he put up cardboard standees in malls that say, like, Happy Frost Miss or something like, like that. And he, like, caused, uh, like, a snowstorm in Mexico, which I'm yeah, sure would, like, fuck say. up the- Crop yeah, failure. Oh, that's true. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty bad. They don't really mention that the how it would impact- the agriculture of the world at that point. But, uh -huh. you, know. you know what? I'm seeing one thing that could be a wallet chain <laughs> in one picture. But I'm I wouldn't glad, call I'm it. I'm glad Dan Lumbo is on the case. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a defining part of his character, but I do see. <laughs> okay, yeah. well. Santa Claus, uh, I know you're busy. I'll let you go. Oh, one more question, though. <laughs> one more. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that makes sense. I want to say. Sense. It's, a, it's, a, it's a role that's been passed down through the generations. <laughs> yeah, one more question. When you have a kid, are you going to murder yourself in front of him so he can pick up your jacket and he'll be the next Santa? Martin Short, a man, no matter what, like you. Uh, you got Dan, you got to give him credit. His last name aptly describes his height. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was going to give him credit for. No, I was also yeah. going to give him credit for no matter what he's in, <laughs> like whether or not you like the performance, he is not phony it in like he is oh, no. really he is going for it like he is the person who looks the least tired in santa claus three yeah yeah, yeah. He's staying I mean, away he's, from the sandman yeah, yeah he's he's <laughs> <laughs> he's very up for it he puts on a very good rendition uh parody a song of new york new york later he's great that's my my favorite part of the movie yeah. if uh, you got martin short in it have him do a big old time showbiz type number yeah, like he's that's in, what it, it's what he wants to do you know um, okay, so they allow, they the the council agrees to let Jack do community service to help Santa with the toy delivery, which seems like a mistake up front, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, we need to have a story, right? So uh, Santa decides that he's going to bring family to the North Pole to make his wife happy now that he's got extra help from Jack Frost. So he first goes <laughs> to visit his brother. I don't know. He goes to visit uh, sister and brother-in-law. Is that Judge no, Reinhold no, no, no. And family? No, no, that's the his ex-wife. That's his ex-wife. Family. Yeah. Thank and you, Judge Reinhold. And his, and his, his son. Yeah. yeah, his pre-Santa son. Thank you. Yeah. This makes a lot more sense. So he Who has to, no claim on the no claim on the throne. No, yeah. no claim to the coat. No. So the he, Dauphin. He, he goes to visit the family. Uh, we are introduced to a pair of farting reindeer puppets, yeah, which apparently are regulars in the series. Yeah, I I don't think they got featured that much in the first one, but definitely largely in the second one. There were a big, a lot of reindeer puppetry, a lot of reindeer reaction shots. Uh, and when oh, we say boy, yeah. puppets, we're talking, you know, like uh, creature shop style animatronics. There aren't, you know, just like hand puppets of, of reindeer. <laughs> And just to be that clear. would be hilarious. There's just two marionettes, and and, yeah. San and Santa is like, "Come on, guys, pull the sleigh." <laughs> Sherry Lewis is standing behind them, moving them out. <laughs> so with with a little bit of work, Santa's able to manage to convince uh, his what ex family to join him in the North Pole. Uh, well, who, I would say he convinces who, them. I think that they are like they really want they it. They want yeah. to come and help. They're like, They're "Oh, she must be right? yeah, yeah, and, having and a hard do, time." And how do you define a family? I think it's really great no, that he's right. close with his ex, that he's close with his son, that he's close with his ex's new husband and with his and with their daughter that he is not blood related to, but clearly has a very warm relationship with, given by the fact that he always is inviting her to hug him, which could be creepy, but mm -hmm. is clearly 
nice. So it's he's really Santa nice Claus. Thing. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, I just wanted to clarify this plot point because Tim Allen does not want more people joining him at the North Pole at oh, this okay. point. This is just an extra set of stress that his ex's family will be there along with his in-laws along with Christmas. Yeah. Although I don't know why you wouldn't want Judge Reinhold coming to your workplace. That just He's seems so like— so mean to Judge Reinhold through the entire series. <laughs> a man who seems perfectly nice. He yeah. does give him a weenie whistle, though. Yeah, that's true. So he— <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't remember that. In the, fir- that was in the, in the first, first film. one. Oh, that was some kind of that was move. The, like they do that in a, they do that in a public. That restaurant. was the thing he wanted <laughs> as a kid. Oh, I Oscar Mayer. Actually, a weenie was so cost more, Elliot. <laughs> You're right. So, so Santa Santa Amelie's him in a nice way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My. So uh, he also goes to visit his in-laws, this time with a little help from his pal, the Sandman, and his mm-hmm. in-law, and he manages to. Uh, explain that he's taking them up to visit them in Canada, which is part of his ruse. He has convinced them they've never been to Canada. So they assume that if with a little bit of set decoration, they can make the North Pole appear to be Canada. So then they blast him in the face with some sleeping dust and then <laughs> they all head up north, right? <laughs> yeah. They've, so yeah, yeah to, to recap, they've been drugged and taken <laughs> to the North Pole. <laughs> Under so, false pretenses. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. the North Pole is hard at work changing all the signs to say Canada stuff. All the elves put hats on so they just look like kids wearing hats instead of elves. Jack Frost is running around looking exactly the same. Uh, well, Martin you Short know, is Canadian, so he doesn't really yeah, do anything. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, and he, that's what Canadians look like, it turns out, is they have huge frosted tips and, four and more ears. And you have more wallet chains. Thank you. He, and he tricks, the, uh, he tricks the head elf into explaining the process of the escape clause, which involves saying a specific phrase while holding a magical snow globe. Okay, it's all about snow globes today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack Frost. And he has to. He has to say. He has to say. I wish I was never Santa Claus or whatever. Or I, at I, and all. It's one of the, <laughs> at all. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, if he could have said this in the first movie when he didn't want to be Santa Claus, why didn't he? What was did that, he like, not want to be Santa he, Claus in the he, first movie? He didn't. He was well, really. He spends most of the first movie not wanting to be as anyone who has a life would not want it interrupted by suddenly that's, having to that's take that's the I feel responsibility like of Santa Claus. Ernest was like all about it I, when I, he had to do it. Well, early. Ernest was just saving Christmas for a day. It, like that's I'll be Santa for a day. True. I don't want to do and it. And he, he was the look, liaison look, to the new Santa. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm Leslie Jones, I just want to host the Daily Show for a week. I don't want to make a career at it. To jump back. Like Stuart, you will and kiss ourselves. You will appreciate. You will appreciate this. the The first Santa Claus is just one step removed from being a horror movie, because this <laughs> man's body changes without <laughs> him doing anything. He can't yeah. do anything about it. He grows beards that. You know, if he shaves them, they're back at the end of the day. You know, the weight gain is instant and ineradicable. It's like, yeah, it's like the fly. A he bit. is cursed yeah, very much to be so. Santa. Yes. Le- unless someone else removes his curse b- by death as well. <laughs> and yeah. the film never quite acknowledges how horrifying it is to have to, t- to leave your life completely behind to become this legendary figure. Mm-hmm. Well, because why would they, Dan? Everyone in the world loves Santa Claus equally and understands that Christmas is the greatest thing in the history of human civilization. Now, well, Everyone I'm, I'm in the world. Bitter, Every single Elliot, human being in sure the world I, what could possibly take that for granted. The I don't know spirit. why I, you I, would. No, I'm, I am, I am, <laughs> got no, a real Grinch look, over here. <laughs> why, why would there be any reason for me to take issue with the idea that Christmas is a universal concept I don't know, that it's all almost, 
humans. It's almost like we compelled you to do a, a Christmas movie on our own podcast, even though <laughs> it was in it was in no may, way me acquiescing to the majority culture that I have never been a part of and never will be a part of. Uh, so Santa arrives with his family and his in laws who were asleep and drugged. Uh, they uh, run around. Uh, they visit. They do all the normal stuff that you yeah. would do when you show your family your place of business. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, Jack Frost is hunting for the Hall of Snow Globes, uh, and he's <laughs> tricking the various elves and sabotaging stuff uh, while Santa tries to entertain his family and maintain his ruse that they are, in fact, in Canada, and he is a lowly toy maker. A lowly toy maker who employs... Dozens, if not hundreds, of, of children, of children. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. who he claims are just what Canadians look like. Yeah. They <laughs> are very, just very short, youthful-looking people with pointy ears. Mm -hmm. All yeah, of it's the cold weather; it keeps them preserved. Yeah, all of Jack Frost's skullduggery causes stuff to break. <laughs> but luckily, Santa's father-in-law is kind of a man's man. Alan Arkin's kind of like a like a how-to fix-it guy, mm -hmm. Mr. Fix-It. So yeah. they're able to fix a lot of things, and it seems like they've saved Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> you say that as if it's the most boring thing in the world. For uh, Christmas like, like many plot Zeus. points in this movie, it, they're resolved very quickly. There's no time yeah. to even mourn the loss of Christmas <laughs> yeah. before it's saved again. But I, I, I just want to point out this movie comes in at a lean 92 minutes. Like Perfect. this is they, the shortest of the three. They do it's not spend short, much yeah. time on anything, including the whopping plot twist, which we're going to get to later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oddly, number two is the longest, <laughs> and mm, you feel it. Santa horny. Um, okay, <laughs> so. Uh, I don't, that was the original subtitle. That's why it's Santa the Santa Claus, Santa Claus 2, no subtitle. The Santa Claus 3, the escape clause, because up until they printed the posters, the subtitle was the Santa Claus 2, Santa horny. And I think at the last minute, Bob Iger stepped in and was like, we can't no, do no, this, no, guys. No, no, like, no, we no, can't. No. We, we can't put Santa horny as the tagline. And they were like, look at the poster for a little mermaid there's a penis on that poster <laughs> we're disney we can do whatever we want and but some finally prints on prevailed. disney plus do still have the santa horny title but you really have to look for it <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you get santa, if you yeah. squint your eyes on the little thumbnail image you can see the yeah subtitle. they're pitching other stuff like Mistle horny? <laughs> no. Like, no. Again, it's not, it's the horny part is the issue. Not, yeah. not that I don't like, not that I think there should be another Christmas pun in there. Horny holidays? The Santa Claus do horny holidays? Again. No. <laughs> what about Santa Claus takes on all comers? <laughs> Santa Claus 2, Santa Does Dallas. It's not, okay, one, it's now, inaccurate to the plot. You're going That's in my main issue. The opposite direction the of what we're asking. Uh, 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 don't even come to me with the, the intergenerational gangbang title. We refused that two meetings ago. <laughs> yes, and one person just lowers their hand in the meeting. That's exactly what they're going to bring up. You guys got more porn parody titles? Or do we just Probably. Let's just move on. Yeah, let's Probably. Just go on. We could okay. keep going. So, yeah. uh, I mean, ho, ho, ho. It writes itself. Yeah. But anyway, continue. So Santa takes the little girl into the Hall of Snow Globes. <laughs> Santa Claus 2. Ho, ho, horny. <laughs> guys. Guys. We have to recall all the prints. It turns out. We're losing we the thread here. <laughs> Uh, and this gives Jack Frost the opportunity to sneak into the Hall of Snow Globes, which Dan described the Hall of Snow Globes. Can you recreate the magical experience of this little girl seeing it for the first time? <laughs> well, I tweeted a picture of it, and I said Santa Claus 3 in the Multiverse of Madness because it's got, like, this weird, like, <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know. It's like this infinity of lights outside. It's, I don't, it, you know. Yeah. 
The end like, of Krampus, anyone? Yeah, it's uh-huh. like being in Captain Nemo's submarine, except for outside. It's not beautiful water creatures. <laughs> it's just like space and stars. I don't, I don't no, know. No, it's, it's kind of an Art Nouveau holiday portal to the, the madness of infinity. Yeah. The depths of, e- of eternity and the dark abyss. And if you stare into that abyss, it stares back into you. Constantly. Luckily, it's full of Christmas cheer. So there's lots of floating CGI snow globes everywhere. Yeah. And it's also, and this room is hidden behind, what, a vending machine in the break room? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's behind, and, and, like, a, a a Red Bull parody vending machine. So Jack yeah, Frost takes- Red Deer. Yeah, yeah. Jack Frost takes the magical snow globe. The little girl sees him do it, and uh, she alerts her parents, which, of course, means he has to freeze them with his freezing magic. So we get no more Judge Reinhold, folks. Time to- No. <laughs> time to click on. not catch a break, Not- this guy. Yeah. No, we we do get to at at the at the very end, we will get to see him do what every actor dreams of doing when they get into the business. Pretend to be cold as CGI ice <laughs> thaws off of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it falls off. <laughs> it's one of those scenes where I was like, uh, whenever I see actors in a movie having to do something patently ridiculous like that, uh-huh. without the, and I know that the effects are not there when they're doing it. There's part of me that's like, uh, they shouldn't have to do that. And there's part of me like, well, that's their job. Pretending stuff. How is that? Like, there's that story yeah, of yeah. Mads they Mikkelsen told. Yeah, they work for you, Elliot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that story Mads Mikkelsen tells about being in an audition for Reed Richards and them saying, okay, now pretend your arm is stretching really long and him walking out and being like, I'm not going to do that. And there's part of me that's like, yeah, Mads, stand up for yourself. But there's also part of me that's like, well, how is that any different from pretending that you've been you've been unjustly accused of child molestation in the hunt? Sure. Like, either they're both pretending something that hasn't happened. You're the you prince know? of Denmark. Your father is killed. Like, I don't know why that's that's any different than, uh, you know. Exactly. How is that? You're, oh, I'm, I'm dying on stage. Uh, 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 you're not really dying. That's Man, no different than pretending your arm is getting all stretchy. Prince Hamlet, if he could stretch his shit out super long, <laughs> yeah. that would have been amazing. Oh. He could hold that fucking skull forever a lot of he Totally he, different ending, for sure. He could have stabbed Polonius from across the roof by accident. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. What? Now I want to see that where it's, it's he's got he's he's hit with radioactive cosmic rays in the beginning, and so when he stabs Polonius through the tapestry, he does it from across the room real fast. Yeah. Like it, he's it, oh man, oh, he's man. fantastic. He, he the has, Prince of he has Denmark. To reach, he reaches across the graveyard to get Yorick's skull. Yeah, to be or not to be, totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> man, you got to give Laertes some kind of power. That fight at the end is going to be super one sided. Yeah. Mm. Oh, he's the super scroll. He's got to be. He's yeah, got to be. Super That's scroll. right, yeah. And I don't know if yeah. Fortin Bross is a nihilist or something. I don't know. Okay. Probably. And, and Osric is uh, is uh, that the mailman that always comes uh, by. Will, Willie Lumpkin. <laughs> Willie yeah. Lumpkin, yeah. What about Rosencrantz yeah. and Guildenstern? Oh, no, I digress. Okay, so yeah, well, oh well, Rosencrantz. Well, that's Johnny Storm and White Wingfoot. Yeah, oh, anyway, because there's, there. Oh no, it's it's his friends from college, right? So Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are the thing in Doctor Doom. Makes perfect sense. Reed Richards' actual perfect. friends in college. Boom. Oh man, you know it's amazing how well Hamlet maps <laughs> to the Fantastic Four. Does it? <laughs> And Ophelia is the invisible woman. That's the woman thing is we don't make well, new stories anymore. It's just yeah. universal yeah. tales that are spun <laughs> with different <laughs> the uh, mythos uh, of humanity. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mono, so uh, uh, Sam is still fucking stressed out. He doesn't even know <laughs> that Judge Reinhold got froze, and he's yeah. super stressed out. So uh, you would because his wife still wants him to be around, but it's like he brought her family up there, dude. Like that was the whole thing. Like right? Why is she so? Why is she yeah. ragging on him? Like <laughs> they're here to I mean, take wait, the pressure you, off me. <laughs> That's the thing. And I, 
and I feel like this is the this is the this is the stress a lot of older guys who marry younger women go through, where she's like, "I want you to be here for our baby," and he's like, "I had babies. I've done this before. <laughs> uh-huh. This is new to you." Do, not by new the way, Elliot's doing a wig snatch motion while he says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, it, it's worth pointing it, out though, Santa is freaking out about this impending child, and it's like, dude, you've been here before. Like, I, I mean, Elliot, I'm assuming child two, you were much more chill about the whole process than. I mean, very one. much so. Yeah. The whole thing was so much easier and and yeah, much more. It was like we've been through this before. We're not it was still it was still you're still anxious, you're still frightened, but I didn't have the same feeling of once the baby is born, if I don't look at him constantly 24 hours a day, he'll stop breathing and die because I have to constantly look at him and make sure he's still alive. But the second baby I was like, eh, he'll, his body will keep working. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not based on my my observing him will not change reality that much I, that that it's the only thing keeping him alive. I don't know, yeah. raising a child at the North Pole has to be hard. I mean, what are the schools like? Is he going to be taken we away by packs of wolves? We know what the schools are like, wolves? Mrs. Claus. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. You do have to protect him from the wolves. That's a fair point. Uh, and But he, I feel like this movie is setting it up, especially for someone who we've established can stop time, right, to deliver packages. Mm-hmm. It's really established a conflict that, one, kids cannot relate to. I do not think kids can relate to being pulled in two directions by your job and the stress of starting a family. Kids shouldn't be relating to stress. And two, that he has magic powers. So it, it like he shouldn't be as he shouldn't be as stressed out. And but it's a fake yeah, conflict. Can, I guess what I'm saying is Santa time. Claus, Santa Claus having to deliver presents on the same night a baby is due is a fake conflict you would never see in reality. <laughs> but, <And> then, <laughs> but if it happened in real life, it'd be pretty crazy. Yeah, it's true. if it happened in real life, it would be you nuts. I, I'm that. sure. Yeah, you got to <laughs> you got to admit, admit it. it. <laughs> just put it, just playing devil's advocate, playing by "Are you afraid of the dark?" rules. If I was in this situation, I probably would be stressed. Yeah. But yeah. it's not a situation that from the outside is that stressful. Well, I mean, also you can't fold time and space the way that Santa has, can. So presumably, he can deliver all the presents now all, all, to all over the earth in one night and be at the side of the doula yes. while his wife goes into labor. The thing, yes, that- and and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Jack Frost fucking things up. That's Santa's problem for delegating to the wrong person. Exactly. That's, he made yeah. that mistake. That's on him. And why? And it's at the idea, like, well, Jack Frost, you're clearly trying to steal this holiday from me. Maybe I'll put you in charge. That's a bad. Yeah, move, I'm going to bring you in. Got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's it's, not. It's a, I mean, it's a big villain performance. He's not pretending he's a good guy. <laughs> but I, I yeah, want to yeah. ask though, like the thing that bugs me out about Santa is like. So Tim Allen, you know, as uh, Santa Claus in the fi- the Santa Claus films, seems to yes. be experiencing time normally when he's delivering presents. It's not like he's super sp- like speedy, like he's within it, you know. So is every Christmas an eternity to him? Is he constantly like like you know, 365 days of the year he's with his family, but then like that one day he's away from his child? is like thousands of years. Is that yeah, what's going like on? it's interstellar or some yeah, shit. Yeah, I bet that's what it feels like. And no time has passed for them or minimal time. So it's like he's traveling at the speed of light. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's horrific, interstellar is what I'm saying. Except the opposite. Yeah, it's interstellar. It's the opposite. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like interstellar, uh, but with holiday Yuletide cheer. <laughs> and, he has to, um, and he has to visit everyone in the world because everyone loves Christmas. <laughs> Everyone, everybody, because every single person person, in every every part of the year is both equally loves Christmas and is equally beloved and rewarded by Christmas. (laughs) Okay, guys, because uh, we've had enough goofs. Now it's time for this movie (laughs) to get fucking serious, right? Okay. Because yes, uh, wait, uh, wait. Before you do that, I just want to say, 
Basically, Stuart, so so Santa Claus's experience is like the kid in that Stephen King story. Was it the John? The John, the John, John? yeah, where he rips his John. fucking eyeballs out. It's so gross. Because for his family, it's been hours, but for him, it's been an infinite it's amount of time It's a long John, dude. It's a long John, daddy. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Longer than anything, daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what a good ending. What what a good ending. <laughs> yeah. That's how you end a story, Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, or how you how you... How you reach the high point in Event Horizon and then go downhill from there, maybe, pretty much, almost maybe, instantly. Yeah, maybe my Someone favorite their own eyes out. Stephen King short story, and they're making it into a movie, and I cannot understand how that is possible. Oh, they are. Like that's not what you good. do. Maybe it's that. a sixty-minute yeah. adventure. Who knows? Um, I mean, because it's basically all <laughs> Even, set up for a kid ripping his eyeballs out, right? Yeah, I mean, even sixty minutes is stretching that story <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, a type okay. five, maybe. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, is Andy, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, is Andy Rooney in that? Uh, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know what you mean, but 60 sure, minutes. why not? Uh, okay. Because yeah, he was on 60 oh, Minutes. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the bit. Uh, Alex, just add more jokes to that. Make, <laughs> add some laughs. Make sure everyone knows that. Like just sprinkle like some magic spring, joke powder on that. Spring and fart noises. Yeah, put some like, sweet yeah. stuff on it. Like yeah, boy, boy, just, boy, just boings. Stuart, you were saying, let's get serious. Enough my jokes. own trap of making more jokes. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. get into Alex, 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 stop with the jokes and add in some serious sounds. Maybe a spooky organ or or some kind of bump, bump, bump. Some, yeah. some, some wind you. rushing Thank by you. the background. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I want to be Maybe extra a lonesome spooky. owl Because there's nothing yeah. spookier than getting tricked by Jack Frost into holding onto a magical snow globe and being tricked into saying the exact words so that you enact the escape clause. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. And at the last moment, Santa Claus realizes the enormity of what he's done. It all comes crashing down on him. And you you see the look on his face. Tim Allen's performance, oh my lord, it's amazing. Yeah. Where he realizes the weight of all of his transgressions. It hits him all at once. It's uh it's like it's it's kind of like the end of Michael Clayton, where he's riding in the back of that car and you just <laughs> yep, watch the emotions yep. travel across his face. It's incredible. Yeah. Now I, I finally learned that as the Bible says, the wages of sin is not being Santa Claus anymore. <laughs> Dan, what were you gonna say? Well, so We've pulled it back to the future here, right? We've changed the past. Yes, but, yes. But Funny like, you should say that. But I, I, I am confused by how time travel works in this because then we're back in present day uh, of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Tim Allen's life apparently has continued as it would have had he not been Santa in the meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Like, say yes. he just was dreaming and now yes. he leaps back into that body. But now he, but he has the memories and consciousness of having been Santa Claus I do not understand what we are to believe here. I think Mm -hmm. because he was trying, it's like in Time Cop where he manages to fix the timeline, which means, and Santa does the splits. And you look at his butt. (laughs) <laughs> where he saves the day, which means he now has a child whose name he doesn't know, and he's going to have to pretend he remembers everything about their life up to this point. It's time travel is hard for the people doing the traveling. Alonzo, you time traveled. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I really don't like to talk about it. But uh, the what I think they're doing here, obviously, is this is the It's a Wonderful Life section. Yes, yeah. So in yeah, the same yeah. way that George Bailey and arguably Clarence is the one person who knows the – Bedford Falls version of all the awful people that he's encountering in Pottersville. Uh, Scott Calvin is now like, yes, possessed of the knowledge of having been Santa Claus, but also having, also having continued his life, which means he forgot he knew it until now because yes. he's somehow become more successful and more terrible and like ruined a bunch of people's lives. But now it's all yeah. rushing back to him. It, it This movie is very baffling with that stuff, but it does bring me to why this movie is a flashback. 
Because okay. I, I have a suspicion this was like a tight 88, and then somebody at Disney was like, you know, this gets a little dark and scary now where Scott is no longer Santa Claus, where, where Jack Frost is Santa Claus, and he ruins Christmas, and oh. everybody's miserable, and the kid is like, and the, the, you know, the wife is unhappy. Everybody's sad and terrible and awful. And I think they thought that children would be too wigged out right. by this part. Uh, they need the reassurance exactly. of, of knowing that. If they know it's a no, flashback. She does not if get they eaten by the eels at this time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, that actually, that makes a lot of sense considering my kids definitely, they do not, it hasn't yet gotten into their bones yet. The thing we all know now going into stories where we're like, I know this kind of story. It's going to turn out okay. Right. Like there's no way the story's going to end with Jack Frost being Santa forever and <laughs> everyone's life being bad. But my kids, they they haven't internalized yet, and they get very anxious yeah. at the parts of movies where it looks like things are not going to turn out okay. So I get that. So, that makes yeah, sense. I'm in no yeah, way a defender of the Santa Claus 3. Uh, oh, cool no, 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 Escape no. Clause, but no, no, I just but, thought but this that, thing, that there is a reason for it. <clears throat> that's serving a real plot. That's serving a real emotional needs of the audience purpose, yeah. which actually – that thinking that – I admire that thinking quite a bit, that they – that they were looking at it from a kid's point of view and not an adult's point of view, since so much of this movie otherwise feels like it is from an adult's <laughs> totally, yes. point of view. Yeah, Indeed. So, yeah, as we said, uh, enacting the escape clause sends Jack Frost and Scott back in time to the exact moment he became Santa Claus, what, 15 years ago, 13 years ago? Which means we see Santa Claus die at least twice. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> if you get off on that, oh boy, this is going to be great for you. <laughs> get ready. You're going to be spent like Dan was yeah. after watching all the Santa Claus movies. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, and this ends with Jack Frost taking the code of Santa Claus, the mantle, and uh, that sends them hurtling back into the future where, again, Scott is a successful but very lonely businessman uh, whose personal life is in shambles. His ex-wife hates him. Judge Reinhold hates him because it forced his marriage to dissolve as well, uh, all because uh, he had to take care of Scott's son. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of wild. It, it, it it wrecked the the father son dynamic between judge and the and the son and and we've that seen shown by the most horrifying thing of all that Scott's son doesn't want to spend time with his mom on Christmas Eve, but wants to drive around with his friends. A terrifying dystopian yeah. vision no! of regular life, as it is done by most teenagers, <laughs> I suppose. And yeah. speaking of terrifying visions, we see the North Pole has now been turned into like a G-rated Biffverse, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. where uh, where. Jack Frost, now Santa Claus, is flaunting his status. He has made everyone aware. He is, for some reason, he has turned Christmas, a time of joy, into this, like, entrepreneurial capitalist thing, which is wild. <laughs> uh, it's basically, he turned the North Pole into, like, FAO Schwartz. And there's, yeah, like, screaming reindeer and pens that record your voice. Mm. <laughs> it would take a monster of Jack Frost level to turn Christmas into this capitalist, mercantile, cash-only society. <laughs> And and it's like you have to – and there, the one joke I thought was funny was uh, – in this part was – other than the song, which I did enjoy, was Jack Frost and, over loudspeaker. And Jack voice. Frost dressed up as like a weird hybrid of Jack Frost and Santa Claus, which is even yeah. more Guy Fieri than before. Oh, <laughs> for sure. True. Which which makes me realize Guy Fieri is just Jack Frost and Santa Claus mixed into one person, and he likes to eat crap. Uh, so wow. th but that uh, – <laughs> that that Jack Frost is booming over the loudspeakers. Kids, make your parents buy you things. That it, it shows how much they love you, which I think is is just a funny just them saying the subtext of Christmas. But I guess you know. he is he. I mean, is he still giving out free toys? Is like, are the free toys now no. a, a loss leader for getting people in the door? 
Christmas I think world, he does not or, give out free okay. tours at all. He only charges. Well, but he does right? charge people to be on the nice list. So presumably the reason you want yes. to be on the nice list is to get the I free see. Oh, right. Is to get the but yeah. I'm sure they're shot. I don't know. <laughs> it, it allows you. It allows you to edit your tweets. It allows you to get some kind of status, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. There's many you, you reasons to be, be on the to, nice list. You, you might be able to block un, not nice yeah, uh, people, that, that you know, sense. and drive them off the thing. And mind you, this is the Walt Disney Company telling you this. You know, mm -hmm. the idea that like, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about like parents having to buy crap for their kids. Yeah, you take your children to Disneyland and tell me how that goes. Oh, by the yeah, way, it, it makes this it makes this the most one of the more subversive things about the parent company that I've seen in the from a Disney movie um, since I remember I was watching the old Lion King with my with my kids a while back. And it was like when uh, when uh, Rowan Atkins starts start singing, it's a small world after all. And and Scar goes, no, no, no. Like at, the, at that point, that was about as subversive as you could get in a Disney movie was admitting that that's an annoying song, you know? Yeah. I, uh, this is, you know, I mean, the anti-capitalist message as hypocritical as it is, uh, is maybe not a bad message, but speaking of weird messages in Santa Claus movies, I, I didn't talk about the fact that part of, <laughs> part of, uh, Santa Claus two was, uh, Santa blaming Elizabeth Mitchell, you know, that maybe her, uh, maybe Santa's son would be a better kid in her school if there were some Christmas decorations around the school. So it like briefly becomes wow. this war on Christmas wow. thing. Wow. Uh, that is you. incorrect. It is that, that is a bad message. I don't like and that. He's, at yeah. all. he's still carrying that one through to the Santa Clauses on Disney Plus where he makes a joke oh, really? about, oh, it's so problematic to wish somebody a Merry Christmas now. It's like, yeah, what a surprise, Kurt Tim. I, and, yeah. and it's funny that that joke is happening in a world where on Halloween, fully, I think a third of the houses we went to said, happy Halloween, Merry Christmas. And it was like, are you kidding? Like, not only do people still say Merry Christmas, they're saying it on a holiday that's almost two months before Christmas. <laughs> like it was, and my kids, were, that was bases. the thing that, and that was the thing that bugged my kids. They were like, why is everyone telling us Merry Christmas? This is Halloween. Because the Hallmark movie's Christmas. already started in late October, <laughs> Elliot. So, you know, we're all, in the, we're all in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you more than that. You're like you're like my busy season keeps creeping up earlier and earlier. <laughs> does it end? <laughs> so we do. Uh, this is when Jack Frost does put on a very solid parody of New York, New York. Mm -hmm. This is pretty it's funny. Great. This is very funny. Martin yeah. Short sells it for sure. As only yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Scott manages to sabotage the performance. He causes a big distraction. He somehow gets the globe into Jack's hands, and then he plays a recording of Jack saying the exact words to escape uh, to enact the escape clause. This has taken maybe ten minutes of movie time. Okay, I want to. Uh, yeah, this this dystopian world where he is not Santa Claus. I was flabbergasted by how little time this takes in the movie. There's, but Dan, you were going to say. Well, there are multiple things. One of them is along the lines of that. As Alonzo points out, yes, this is the It's a Wonderful Life thing. And granted, It's a Wonderful Life also That's true. only has the dystopia at the very end of the movie for a much shorter time than everyone remembers. But, but the rest but of the a, movie is filled with like a beautiful portrait of George Bailey's life. Whereas this movie, like, up until the point the plot kicks and, and in. And it's, it's not called It's a Wonderful Life Pottersville. Like, this is called the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Yeah. And the escape clause is barely in the movie. But Sorry, Dan, you were no, going to say. No, it's just, like, this movie is an experiment of, like, what if we make the whole movie out of the padding? But also, <laughs> I just, like, Santa Claus, Tim Allen uh, tells his, like, his exes and new husband's, uh, like, daughter, Lucy, to steal the snow globe for him while he creates a, dis a distraction. I found that well, he, he very upsetting where he's like enlisting the small child to do his dirty like, work. You do, the, you do the dangerous part and I'm going to, I'm going to hog the spotlight and turn this into the Jack Frost stunt show. Yeah. While you go, while you go do all the hard part. 
But also then, like, apparently, I guess it doesn't matter that uh, Jack Frost said the words and was holding the globe at two different times. As long as he plays a recording of it, it's fine. They just need proof that he, you know, he could have said the words. I don't know. This, this <laughs> yeah, felt yeah. like a real Dan's like, lawyer me, up, Scott. That's like if Mr. McYesplatek <laughs> played a recording backwards of Superman exactly. saying his own name or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, actually, why hasn't Superman ever done that? That would have solved the whole problem instantly. He should just carry around a tape recorder and just play it back. But, it, but you're right. It's I don't think it would hold up in in Claus Court. Uh, this is, <laughs> uh, Santa's got a lawsuit on his hands now. But and just imagine how different it would be now making this movie when you can just have an AI have have Jack Frost voice say whatever you want and yeah. just feed it in. Exactly. Okay, you just deep fake. deep fake him. Yeah, make a video of it. So the snow globe is like, well, I saw it and heard it. <laughs> yeah, you're not saying anymore. So we go back in time again. Luckily, it's not going to hurt your brains too much because the previous Jack Frost Santa Claus thing that was there, that's not there. Okay, so it's just this current version of <laughs> Jack Frost and Scott. I guess we each get to see like Santa in the die universe, again. Time which travel rules. splits off a new a new timeline each time. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's that's why Kang is after the snow yeah, globe that too, makes I sense. imagine, or something. Yeah, but sorry, Stuart. Uh, so of course, this time uh, Scott manages to put the coat on, and he is Santa Claus again in like less than ten minutes of movie time. They get zapped back to the future. How crazy would it be if they went back and the other Jack Frost and Santa were there, and Santa was like, "I've got to kill them all. <laughs> we can't have all these extras running around." Uh-huh. And each time they he kills one, he gets stronger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, he gets Jack Frost power, I guess that way. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, makes a rookie mistake. He buries them under the snow. That's gonna melt in warm weather. Those bodies show up. Yeah. Uh-oh, yeah. Uh-oh. You're in T rubs. <laughs> Although by then, I guess he's at the North Pole. Uh-huh. No extradition treaty. Benoit Blanc Looks like shows I just up. The- They're both. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there can okay. be only one. Glass <laughs> snow globe. Yep. So uh, yeah, that's a good name. Um, so he he makes <laughs> up to his wife. He explains to Miss Claus what happened. I guess, um, and then he decides he reveals the. SOS, that's right, Secret of Santa, to his in-laws, and we get to see Alan Arkin deliver the most <laughs> berserk monologue of his career. I love it, because it's like they're just like, they have a fixed like camera on Alan Arkin. They're like, he'll, he'll just sell this. And he looks, like he's funny because he's Alan Arkin, but he also looks so bored. Like he's doing the lowest wattage version of his already low watt persona of and, like and he's what? he's piecing the Santa? he's putting the <laughs> he's he's putting the pieces together batman the movie from 1966 style where it's like yeah yeah bat yeah toys sure and if uh if this is so this must be a the north shop. pole and that toy shop so who makes toys around the north pole oh you're Santa. like it's it's yeah. just, it's he, he's led to it it's literally the movie being like Show's almost over, folks. Let's wrap it up. Come on, let's just do this. Well, and it just felt like they're like told Alan Arkin to improvise this realization and just and let the camera fair, run. Is, mm. To be fair, he is one of the legendary improvisers. I mean, he's a, he's a founder, what, of the Compass uh, players? He's you terrific, know? Like, but they're like, yeah. just keep the camera it's rolling. Great. Stretch. <laughs> stretch figuring stretch. it out. And, and by the and, way, Anne Margaret, screen legend, is like, could yeah. her role could have been played here by like, a vacuum cleaner? Like, she yes. has given nothing to do. I'm or delighted say. to see her, but she is not used to And she looks, she looks great, fantastic. It looks, looks like fantastic. she hasn't aged a day since Grumpy Old Men, which was like 12 years before this or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, but it's, yeah, they I'm, give her very little to do. I mean, I'm hoping she and Alan Arkin got to like have fun and catch up and oh, talk about I'm stuff. Sure. Yeah, the lunches, yeah. I'm sure, were, you know, Hollywood it was great. Cast, yeah. Talk about Mike Nichols and, and she, together. Yeah. She, d- she does, she does go. get to sing, she gets to sing, I think, three lines of, uh, of uh, what the... 
that Mel Torme Christmas song, the chestnuts roping. Uh, the Christmas, 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 Christmas song. Christmas song. The yeah, most yeah. I call uninventive <laughs> title. This uh, is it. But, it's the Christmas song. <laughs> are, are you are you sure there's a lot of Christmas songs? <laughs> no. Like, this I is said the, the one. Famously. So many Christmas. They have a whole, it's a whole genre. <laughs> they have a name for it. No, no. Uh, so all of the magical legendary figures show up. Uh, Jack Frost faces justice for his crimes and he receives a magical <laughs> hug that turns him into a fucking nerd and unfreezes the frozen family in the aforementioned very cheap looking scene of Judge Reinhold and the w actress who plays his wife, uh, unfreezing. Now, obviously, this is a case where we're talking about uh, digital animators probably working under a time crunch with no money, but it looks very laughably bad. Judge, uh, the ex-wife, um, long career, nothing like that really jumped out at me other than she was also Harrison Ford's wife in Air Force One. Wendy oh. Crewson is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and then uh, Mrs. Claus has the baby and everyone's happy. End of the movie. Yay! Did Ooh, I miss yay. anything, guys? No, that was that was That's the Santa Claus three. <laughs> Exhausted. It okay. was uh, the, the first for the first time in a flop house uh, in a long time movie. I checked for bloops, and there were bloops, guys. There were oh, so yeah, that's many right. bloops. There were bloops. Yeah. There were bloops of uh, of the Easter Bunny hitting on Anne Margaret. And look, I cannot blame that bunny. There were other blo other bloops too, but there were plenty of that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like I, they, I was like, I don't think that the the makers of this movie have acknowledged how weird it is that a large human sized bunny man is hitting on Anne Margaret right now. <laughs> It seemed like a good idea on the set, but then later we were like, yeah. There's the moment where he's, he's helping out and he's hopping along and he goes, oh, those pellets behind me, I'll clean those up. And I'm like, I don't want to joke in this about the Easter Bunny shitting all over the floor of the factory. <laughs> that's not okay. And based on his size, those pellets have to be huge. They would be, mm. I mean, they'd be the size of ostrich eggs. They'd yeah. be, a, yeah. <laughs> Soccer balls, horrible. The size of a giant squid's eye, like horrible. <laughs> but the uh, but the bloops, the bloops really gave me the idea that Tim that Tim Allen was kind of like the king of that set and was just kind of doing whatever he. I don't know. It, yeah. it, I didn't. I I don't know why. Maybe I'm reading again too much of this, but it felt like there was a real power imbalance on, in some of those bloops. But anyway. Um. All right. Well, now you know what we do. We judge it. We we give our final judgments. <laughs> we we don't just judge it. We Reinhold it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Was For this a good bad? <laughs> this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, a movie you kind of like. I want to I want to put this in context for myself. Um, the <laughs> okay. first Santa Claus is where does it fit into your life? The journey? first Santa yeah, Claus yeah. is a, a a weird sour movie that, in a way that you may not recall, and has a lot of stuff that I don't like about you know making fun of the new dad. Uh, forget about the therapy stuff, just like for the health of your son. He's not treating Judge Reinhold very well, but um, but it works kind of in spite of itself. It has a clear premise, and you know, by the end, sure, fine, whatever. The Santa Claus. What what you're saying is not since not since Judge Reinhold was walked in on while masturbating did, has he been this embarrassed on screen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Santa Claus Two actually is probably my choice for if you're watching it ironically because. It, despite it being the longest one, it kind of moves more sprightly than this one did, uh, and it has some really wackadoodle stuff in it that you're like, "Why is this in a Santa Claus movie?" <laughs> um, but I still, honestly, might give this a marginal uh, good bad. It's just so dumb and bright, and it doesn't 
stick around that long. And it's really just a bunch of stuff that happens. It's amazing how I think all little movies are just a bunch narrative. of stuff that No, but this is like has no like the, usually the stuff has some relation to the stuff that came before it, whereas this just seems to be like jumbled stuff. Um, but I kind of still dug it as a bad movie. But what do you guys have to say, Stuart? What do you think? Well, uh, I'm going to say it's a bad, bad movie. Okay. Uh, it. I mean, it, it obviously... I, I just saw Dan's self-regard crumble when you said that. No, but I mean, like, there's a certain... I don't know. Like, it's... Like, it's... it. I'll hopefully forget that I ever saw it. Uh, it <laughs> I mean, it's just so, like, slim and, like, silly and kind of just slides off the brain, right? Slim and silly. Sounds great to me. I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, maybe if I, I had I, seen I the say, previous... I'm, installments it would have like <laughs> yeah, it would have captured the magic for I, me. I do want to point out you, you guys just Stockholm came up with syndrome. you guys just came up with two great Stephen King bad guy names jumble stuff and slim and silly <laughs> 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 yes uh I'm gonna I'm also gonna say a bad bad I think frankly if you if you if your kids love Christmas you could sit them in front of this movie and it wouldn't and leave the room and they'd be fine but I think it's not worth a grown-up watching both either for genuine genuine enjoyment or insincere ironic enjoyment uh there's just there's so much there's so much other even christmas stuff that you could watch uh for those kinds of enjoyments uh it does it just really feels like a movie that where the, everyone's kind of go everyone except maybe tim allen is going through the motions and he seems to really like playing santa claus some of the time and other times not really enjoy it uh and i kind of would rather watch a documentary about the making of the Santa Claus three that was like really open and honest, like the some kind of monster about Santa, <laughs> the Santa Claus three. Like I'd like to see that more than I'd like to watch the movie. Alonso, what about you? You've seen every Christmas movie. How does this stack up for you? Uh, believe me, I am still, still working my way through. It is a giant genre as uh, just like songs. Uh, and there is thankfully <laughs> no one has made the Christmas movie yet, but I'm sure they will one of these days. Mm -hmm. uh, I, this is a bad bad movie um i think the first one is a lot of fun and i mean yes it, it is kind of you know I, i'd say it's maybe one of the best of the kids movies about a overworked um you know middle manager <laughs> um but uh this one is just <laughs> is so frenetic like this it's one of those films where you can tell like okay we're gonna lose the kids if we don't pack every second with like noise and Things falling down and, you know, like running around crazy blah. There, there's so many cartoon sound effects yes. dubbed into scenes like boing, ah, thump, crash. And I mean, if that's, your, by that. if that's your intention, yeah. I mean, hiring Martin Short was the right call because he is <laughs> great at doing that, like constantly yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. I, and the thing is, like, I mean, I, I love Martin Short, but I think so much of. Uh, you know, we hit the thing that he brings to a project, it does ultimately kind of come down to the material. And so like he's mm -hmm. giving all the Martin short sauce that you want, but in the, in the service of a really dumb script, I think. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, we talk about like three equals as being like where the fatigue is really setting in. And I, I, this one, it's kind of like, where else is there left to go for this franchise? Of course, you know, joke's on me. It's a TV show now. <laughs> TV show, that's the only answer. They decided to add even more material. I mean, it really, this is a strange moral to take from the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause, but it makes me even more enamored of the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy, mm. which managed to like kind of up the ante with each movie yeah. in, a, in an exciting True. way. You know, yeah, how many other, how many other movie third movie in a series is still good? 
I mean, there's that. There's the Evil Dead movies. Ninja Three: then... The Domination. That's true. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, that's what they Hall- finally realized Halloween what they were doing. Halloween Three: Season yeah. of the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Ninja Turtles Three: Turtles in Time. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm Ify Wadiway, the host of Maximum Film. I'm Alonzo Duralde, also the host of Maximum Film. And I'm Drea Clark, yet another host of Maximum Film. Every week, we hosts huddle up. Usually with an illustrious guest. And we talk about films. We have film news. We have film quizzes. We answer your film questions. It's like the maximum amount of film talk. That's why we call it Maximum Maximum Film. Maximum Film, the movie podcast that's not just a bunch of straight white guys. New episodes weekly on MaximumFun.org. It could happen to you. You're all grown up now, a professional adult with diverse interests and hobbies. And one of those hobbies is video games. You just can't help it. They're so good now. If that's you, we're here to tell you, you are completely normal. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And together we form Triple Click, a podcast about video games. If you think you might be a person who likes video games, we hope you'll give Triple Click a listen. Triple Click, new episodes every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. You've probably heard about microdosing. Lots of people are doing it, including this guy, Dan McCoy, who has tried the microdose gummies from Lumi Labs. Uh, I've, I've used them and enjoyed them, and uh, they have helped me relax, sleep, uh, sort of just be generally uh, kinder towards the world. Uh, hey, microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code FLOP, that's F-L-O-P, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com, code FLOP. Elliot. Thank you, Dan. We are also sponsored by HelloFresh. That's right. It's that time of the year. Time to cozy up and save money by cooking at home. Come on, restaurants. We can do what you do. This is the perfect time to experience the delicious taste and unparalleled convenience of HelloFresh. If you're not familiar with HelloFresh, here's what you do. You subscribe to it. Check save money off of your holiday to-do list, and that's it. Well, maybe I should explain a little bit more. Hello, HelloFresh <laughs> sends you stuff in the mail, sends you the ingredients you need in the mail to make great meals. I've used it myself. My family has really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the food. It's come. It, the ingredients do come fresh. They taste really good, and they help someone like me who does not like cooking and also hates measuring things mm. to get the best out of my kitchen instead of throwing away money on the food services industry. You know what I'm talking about, Stuart. Food and drink services. No thanks. Who needs them? HelloFresh <laughs> is 25% <laughs> HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping and it offers vegan recipes on the menu every week with made without animal products of any kind. It does and you can enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir fry. I of course Go for the meat ones, but that's okay. That's the thing about HelloFresh is you can choose the kind of thing that you want to make. So it saved me time. It saved me effort. It saved me money. And look at me now. I'm a happier, healthier, stronger, smarter man with more time for my family (laughs) and more time to do the things that I love. So if you want to be like me, just like Dan and his micro gummies, (laughs) if you want to be like me, go to HelloFresh.com slash FLOP65. That's F-L-O-P-6-5. And use the code 
FLOP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash FLOP65 and code FLOP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. It's already cheaper than going to a restaurant, and now it's even cheaper than that. HelloFresh.com slash FLOP65 with the code FLOP65. And, and we also have a yeah, we also have a jumbotron today. A jumbotron, tron, tron. And this message is from Wright, Nate, Orion, Josh, and Targrus. And they say, Dear Stu, we're commandeering the voice of your fave flopper to wish you a very merry holiday name withheld. And a happy 2023. We know that it's been a hard year, but you're a delight to be around, and we love you as much as you love elves and the calendar of Harptos. And that's a lot. What a <laughs> lovely message. That is very sweet. I like it's you a, put a lot of energy into that. I like it. Yeah. It's as sweet as it is incomprehensible to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Happy holidays to uh, 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 you. Recipient and, and you and you, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> uh, you know, a thing that we do on this podcast is uh, is is answer letters from listeners. Yeah, why not? Why don't we jump into that just for a Let's change? Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Grip it and rip it. Let's, That's what I say. <laughs> I don't that say order. that, but uh, yeah, you don't want to rip it and then grip it because it's just harder to grip something that's been ripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This first one is from Alan Lasty withheld, who writes Smithy. Arkin. If <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? Have you seen my movie, The Santa Claus Three? No, no, I'm I really take issue proud of the you work I did. It's your movie, Alan Arkin. I don't blame it for withholding. <laughs> uh, if you had a sandwich named after you, as many celebs eventually do, what would you want it to be? Bonus points if I can make and take it to work to eat and or bug you on Twitter about my attempts to recreate them. Many thanks. Alan, last name withheld. Alan, I'm not, you know, here's what, here's the thing. I'm not going to try and make it about my personality. I'm just going to give you what I think will be a good sandwich. Yeah, that's some, what he, that's what he's asking for. All right. I get, I mean, you're kind of challenging him the in Dan, a way that is not a challenge. Dan McCoy. Yeah, let's see. What's the Dan McCoy? You're going to blow get some, my fucking sure. socks okay. off. You're going to get a little, like, Ciabatta roll, uh-huh. like uh, sort of a mid-sized one. You can slice that up, maybe toast it a little. Maybe fuck it. Put some. <laughs> hey, you're the boss. Put some olive tapenade on it. Uh-huh. You lost me. Uh, some prosciutto. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Uh, uh, some arugula. No thanks. <laughs> maybe a little like sprinkling of balsamic vinegar or yeah. some lemon juice mm. to get some acid in there. And, uh, hey, you can throw a little bit of provolone on there if you want. <laughs> I like that you're giving that so many up. options. That's a, you're that's not directing treat. people. It sounds like it's a, this, is a this is a family of, of sandwich that is sort of like it's customizable. It's like the yeah. Mr. Potato Head sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> which, which normally is just a piece of bread, a Mr. Potato Head, and then another piece of bread. <laughs> yeah. Not a satisfying sandwich. Ooh, yeah. So, uh, man, like, uh, obviously, if you're going to do a sandwich based on me, you probably want it to be tied in with my uh, a lot of what I like to eat, right? You want to think you're eating like a steward. <laughs> so, uh-huh. uh, let's see. We're going to start with a layer of, uh, of almonds. Protein shake. Uh, <laughs> yep. Then a hearty scoop of protein powder on that shit. <laughs> Vegan protein powder can handle the lactose uh then a couple of dried mangoes on top a schmear of almond butter and then uh let's see 
uh, I don't eat a lot of bread anymore, but if I were, I would probably sandwich all that between two slices of a toasted almond, uh, two slices of a toasted blueberry bagel, I think. Yep. Okay. Wait, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So a blueberry bagel. You got a lot less healthy at the end, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't eat a lot of bread. Is that not healthy for you? Should I say like, and just cover the whole thing with maple syrup? Should I wrap it all up in like a like a lettuce wrap or something, Dan? <laughs> and you just Good. wrap it in fruit roll ups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you want to do is you're gonna you're gonna yeah. freeze some sheet lard and <laughs> oh wow. Turn it around. I guess you can do that. Okay, Pineapple so that's two, rings. Yeah, that's two sandwiches <laughs> yeah. out of the way. Okay. Uh, Either with with the Elliot Kalen, you got two. You got two options. I mean, the the sandwich I go to now usually is a pastrami sandwich, but that's kind of boring. There's already a name for that. It's probably called the Sid Caesar or something like that. So when I was uh, at the sandwich, I would get uh, for lunch when I worked at the Daily Show, I'd get turkey pastrami with pickles on it, mm-hmm. and then I would have them toast the bread so it would not be totally mushy. That's a simple sandwich. That's fine. Even simpler, the sandwich that I would have as a child where it's just Hebrew national salami on bread. That's all you have to do. Just like the original Earl of Sandwich said, just give me a piece of meat, some bread on Mm -hmm. it, make it Hebrew national salami. No other kind of salami will do, and you're not going to be able to find it at a lot of places. So that's why I'm calling this the hidden Elliot Kalin sandwich. you got to find a place that serves the right kind of salami. Alonso, what about you? (laughs) So, yeah, I I was like, you know, I was thinking, well, the the sandwich that I usually get at a deli is already at a deli, so I don't need to, you know. So so Mm -hmm. like if I wanted to make up something that was going to have my – name on it that's this would not be like an easy take to work sandwich but it would be a great make it for me in a kitchen restaurant especially because now your kitchen is going to smell like this and not mine uh <laughs> it would be fried bologna um oh. with swiss cheese melting between the pieces of the fried bologna while they're hot mm. uh, oh, wow. on toasted texas toast with a thick slather of uh duke's mayonnaise and maybe some red onion oh, oh wow sounds good Ooh, oh, that sounds like four delicious sandwiches you could eat. <laughs> um, yeah. I've okay. waited a lifetime for somebody to ask me what my celebrity sandwich would be, yeah. though. So thank you, uh, Alan, last name withheld. I'm, I mean, I love that you put so much thought into not just what's on it, but how you would assemble it and like that you're interlacing the cheese with the meat oh, and yeah. everything like that. Oh, yeah, because that's like, how it that's gets, gets all idea. melty. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's like the people who got mad at Subway because they weren't layering the the – the the stuff on the sandwich in the way that made the best use of the surface area, <laughs> and they had a big campaign to have them tessellate the stuff that they were putting on the on the sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. that that was the biggest PR issue Subway's ever had, right? <laughs> the big Subway otherwise has had a sterling brand, Smooth no sailing. issues with the, uh-huh. themselves or their spokespeople. Bread, yeah. that, bread that smells artificial and tastes worse. <laughs> made from the stuff that's in yoga mats. I mean, you're talking it's to allegedly. two people who used to work in an office that was right next to a Subway. <laughs> yeah, like Ooh. above a Subway. Like basically, yeah, but I mean, in New York, we're all, all above subways, right? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just, yeah, ah, the uh, but uh, it is, it is funny to have a spokesman's like, I lost a lot of weight eating subway sandwiches. Like, yeah, by you could take a couple bites and then throw it away because <laughs> you don't want more. The of prospect it. of not eating suddenly seems more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this episode is brought to you by Subway. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, oh, uh, we have another letter, it's from oh. Eli Lasting Withheld. Eli Roth. Hopefully yeah. it's not Eli Lilly. Who writes? <laughs> Hello. Anyway, this episode is also brought to you by Eli Lilly. Oh, no. Hello, Peaches. Last night, my wife and I decided to watch So I Married an Axe Murderer on sure. Tubi mm-hmm. for the first time in some 25 years to see if it lived up to our memories. Probably not. And a couple of things 
really stood out. First of all, it was very heavily set in San Francisco with all of the cliched sites, and neither of us remembered this. But more importantly, it came in at a tight 133, which I think is due to the use of not one, but two montages to yada, yada, yada over all the relationship developments. Which leads me to my question. Are movies longer these days because these cheesy montages are, have gone out of style? Um, I don't think that's why movies are longer. But uh, I also don't have well, a Dan, better you answer. Just, you, you just saw Avatar yesterday, right? So why is that uh-huh. movie so long? Uh, is it because there's no <laughs> montages of them? I assume I, I assume training to ride fish, flying fish, or something. You know, I mean, they're well. I mean, they do train to ride flying fish, but it's not a montage. I mean, I, I was just watching the first one yesterday to prepare for learning the way of water, uh-huh. and there were a ton <laughs> of montages in that one too. Yeah, there's there's montages. not a, not a critique. Not of the same kind of type that I think that are being talked about here, where it's like literally like a pop song plays and uh, there's one scene of like, you know, someone getting something on their nose and laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, Jim or Cameron, like, add more pop songs. Skipping by the water or whatever the fuck they do um, in movies. I mean, it's, hard, <laughs> it's hard to answer that question in December because all the movies are really long now because it's award yeah. season. And, uh-huh, and yeah. you know, it's like you are not going to be taken seriously if you are under 215. The Academy won't well, even look at you, you know. That's I was watching. Uh, I watched Tar the other night. That's and there a was long part of me that was, right? It's a long one, and there's part of me that's like, I don't know if we needed so many scenes of her pulling her suitcase from one place to another, <laughs> but at the same time, it provides kind of a little breather between the scenes of her being an, a horribly abusive person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I, mean, I wouldn't argue against the length in Tar because I think that that is all sort of yes, a cumulative effect. Like part of the effect is like, I wouldn't even argue against it in the Way of Water, probably. I mean, it's a little well, long, I, I would say, but that, I would that, say that builds there's... up so much like care for the characters before they get into the the final fight. Like that's that's the thing that, even though Way of Water is like, I liked it a lot. Just a, it's it's just it's a tight 184 minutes. <laughs> I I liked it a lot. It's still like one of it's lower down on my like list of Cameron films, but I still liked it. But James Cameron still has the ability to like. Everything he's doing is is to make you really like want to hiss the villains and cheer at the end. Like the payoff is is good. I would say that in general, movies are probably longer because I would guess that a lot of it has to do with now they feel like, oh, we got to give people their money's worth. Like the way that yeah, streaming is so big now, they're like, we have to make this a movie. We have to make it <laughs> worth your time. Well, that's what I was going to say is partly movie tickets have gotten so expensive and it's so much effort yeah. to go to the movies now if you have anything. Like if you're if you're a Dan McCoy or a Stuart Wellington, uh-huh. there's nothing holding you back. But when, like for a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people, it's a big effort to go to the movies. So you kind of feel like if you – I was we were watching um, uh, A Christmas Story the other day because Sammy had never seen it. And I was like, they don't – I feel like there's no movies out like that anymore. But I feel like if I took my family to the movies, that's 100 bucks if we buy any food. And then to see a movie like A Christmas Story, I might be like, mm, I just spent $100 to watch, you know, something very fun but like very light, you know. Uh-huh. But I also think so many of the movies that come out now, the big ones at least, are in that – are in the Marvel mold of like we're also going to service other pos- other things related to this. And like I haven't seen the new Wakanda movie yet, but it's hard for me to imagine that there's a – real justification for it being like two hours and 40 some odd minutes long, except that there's so much that I assume they have to service in that universe, you know? I don't Less know. than you might think. I mean, I think the Black 
Panther movies so far have kind of been their own neighborhood of the of the MCU in terms of having similar to, like, to Wakanda. Uh, thank you. Yeah, isolationist. <laughs> they they are under their own dome, if you will, okay. and so yeah, they it, it's not like a whole ton of like oh, and the Avengers are doing blah 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 blah. Then why is it so long? Again, I haven't seen. There's it. A, there's, it's a very stirring memorial. It's a solemn there's, meditation. There's a on lot loss, going on. <laughs> okay, I mean, there, but there's also like I've seen solemn meditations on loss that are not that long, but I guess they don't have. I guess it wasn't that much loss. <laughs> yeah, like, so. like yeah, movies are getting longer. If I had gone to the movie theater and decision to leave was not over two hours long, would I feel like I was cheated? Uh, probably yeah, not. Yeah. No. And speaking of Cameron, I mean, it used to be this was not considered a selling point. I remember when Paramount actually put out a thing saying that uh, Titanic was two hours and seventy five minutes. <laughs> to fool oh, people God. into thinking that it wasn't That's longer totally than three nice. hours. And then, of course, it became a giant hit anyway. But uh, maybe it's Titanic's fault, actually, that all movies are long now. I don't know. Well, that's I, th I think that actually is. I mean, there were a it's few very Titanic's tremendous— It's certainly Titanic's fault why James Cameron's movies are all long mm -hmm. now. Yeah, but, like, like there are tremendous yeah. hits like Titanic and Avengers Endgame, you know, that are these Lord of the Rings movies. Like, they're very— long movies and people are like, oh, I guess that's what people like. Well, and you know what? And I, it's another it's another ripple effect, and there's a number of these from the fact that there's fewer small movie houses and more big chain multiplexes where it used to be a movie couldn't be too long because it ran – it cut into the number of showings you could do during mm -hmm, a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And But if – but like if, if it's you can run – it's on five screens. <laughs> yeah. If you can run Avatar on five screens, then why not make it three hours long because they're all – it's – you can – you have infinite time. I remember when, when multiplexes started – and a lot of the thing was like, now you can have the screen, some screens for the big movies and some screens for the little movies. Uh, and then the people were like, what if we just played all the big movies with the same kind of philosophy yeah, yeah. that has hollowed out every industry in the United States of America? What that's, if we had a streaming service but we didn't stream anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the idea of like, uh, okay, I'll get us, uh, I'll get this fountain soda. No ice, please. Wink, because <laughs> that ice is just taking up valuable real estate. Mm -hmm. Less soda. In this case, the, uh, ice are the smaller art house movies that actually make you think. <laughs> mm -hmm. That add the that add the chill. Kind of like that the cool. kind of like the ice storm. <laughs> um. Okay, well, let's move on to the, the final segment where we recommend movies that we've seen that uh, maybe would be a better use for these dwindling hours uh, than Santa Claus 3. Um, Hard to imagine that's possible. I, I'm, you know. Santa's going to recommend Avatar. That being said, <laughs> I mean, it, it is the thing I saw recently that I enjoyed the most, but I, I don't think it needs my help. So that being said, I'm going to. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. I'm going to do a, a more qualified recommendation of a thing I enjoyed, but, you know, wasn't over the moon about. I just watched the Adult Swim Yule Log thing that oh, yeah. uh, was put out that was, it starts out like a normal Yule Log as one might have on a streaming service, and then I don't want to spoil the many bizarre directions it goes in to. It was uh, directed by the person who made Too Many Cooks, which will give you an idea. I will say that it works better as a bizarre, unexpected TV experiment than like a movie in its own right. Uh, which is fair because that's what it is. I think at at an hour instead of 90 minutes, it may have played better for me and it touches on some uh, uh, uncomfortable, like it, it gets pretty like extreme and touches on stuff that actually could <laughs> be related to real life trauma. I don't want to like get too specific because 
you know, it the delves whole point into, of it. It delves into history in a way, yeah. Yeah, th- like, uh, I don't want to ruin anyone's surprises, but I would say that there's some material that it handles more glibly than the material warrants, but hmm. uh, if you That's don't- a surprise coming from Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you don't mind that kind of, like, goofball, like, horror uh, stuff in your horror movies, then- that's fine. Uh, it, it's it's a very interesting thing, if nothing else. It's clever, yeah. uh, is what I would say. Stuart? Uh, speaking of movies that are probably a little bit too long, I'm going to recommend a movie that is probably a little too long uh, that just dropped on Netflix recently. It's called The Big Four. It's a big old Indonesian action movie uh, from writer-director, I'm, fuck, I can't say his name, Timo... Tia Hanto, uh, who made The Night Comes for Us, which is a super bloody badass action movie, and he made some shorts in, like, the VHS series. Um, This is a big action movie. It's also an action comedy, so it's filled with tons of very silly, goofy jokes. Uh, It's kind of reminiscent of a series that I recommended uh, sometime on this podcast, uh, the Fable series, which are also, like, Balls to the wall action movies that also have a ton of weird, silly uh, stuff. Uh, it's also clocking in at over two hours, which is unnecessary. But if you're looking for a fun, over the top, uh, very bloody action comedy, uh, The Big Four is a blast. I'm going to recommend, I and I was talking about movies are too long or whatever. I'm also recommending a movie that's over two hours. This is ridiculous. What what are we doing? We're playing right into Hollywood's hands. I mean, hands. I'm not complaining. I like long movies. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I have less time in my life to spend on movies, so actually I like them when they're long too. Anyway, this was a movie I saw recently that I liked a lot. I don't know why, but my last few recommendations I feel like have all fallen into the category of women going for what they want in different ways, and this one is <laughs> no exception. This is a movie called Mahanagar, which means the big city, and it's a Satyajit Ray movie and about uh, starring – Madhabi Mukherjee, I think I'm pronouncing it, hopefully okay. Uh, She plays a housewife uh, in the 50s in Calcutta, and her husband's job is not paying well. They support themselves and also their son and also the husband's parents and the husband's uh, sister, I believe. And uh, she ends up having to take a job as a saleswoman, and that leads to complications in her family but also complications in her feelings about herself and also – and the way she interacts with the world, having this experience with the professional world. And it was a movie that I really loved, and it felt very real to me. And the conflicts that come up are not the, like, straightforward black and white, I can't have a wife that works, this is, I'm the man of the house type of thing. The characters feel like real, kind of believable characters. And it the ending I found genuinely very, you know, moving and very lovely and full of love between the characters and and – that the film holds for the characters in the film too. And the performances are great in it and there's a real kind of like lightness and humor to a lot of it considering it's a movie about a woman getting a job at a time when women don't necessarily work and da-da-da. Like uh, it doesn't – it's not a soapbox movie. It's very much a movie about people and I really enjoyed it. So I loved it. And it's it's on HBO Max until they pull all the (laughs) Satyajit Ray movies off of HBO Max. So go see it there. It's the big city. I think I think they're shooting to be the first streaming service to in fact have no content like we previously mentioned. (laughs) It's it's great. It's like they're like, what if we only made tax write-offs? What if all of our money came from tax write-offs? It's nuts. The numbers are working. What can I tell you? Uh (laughs) it's weird to be living at a time when there are so many very valuable brand names that are 
self-dismantling themselves mm. like that and Twitter where you're just everyone it's like um like a you know what if we sold uh, the, ourselves the, for parts <laughs> yeah exactly like like how much is this arm worth rip it off me do it yeah i mean it was like what like a year or so ago when only fans is like we're not gonna allow pornography anymore and then almost immediately we're like whoops uh, just kidding i mean if only other services took only fans yeah, and we're like that. wait okay that was a mistake let's uh turn the boat back around <laughs> hold on everybody now we're calling it only porns we gotta go we gotta play our friends <laughs> Uh, Alonzo, do you have any recommendations for I us? do. I, I was going to recommend Spirited, but it's a little late for a Christmas movie, and it's awfully long also. Uh, so I thought How I long would, is it? It's a little over two, uh, but it's a musical, and that's allowed. What? You know, okay. it's, okay. That's fine. It, that's, it, it, it should I'll be. That. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I thought I would go for a movie that I really, really liked in 2022 that I feel like kind of went under many folks' radar and uh, is also only 98 minutes. And you guys may well have recommended it at some point, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm repeating myself but confess fletch um oh yeah the return of the fletch franchise to the big screen <clears throat> barely it kind of went straight to streaming i think uh with john ham stepping in as the iconic uh wise acre investigative reporter created by gregory mcdonald uh it's directed by greg matola who did the day trippers and adventure land and a lot of like i think a lot of episodes of arrested development um, Ham totally gets this character and it's it's a funny movie. It's the kind of like breezy crime comedy aimed at adults that we just got all the time in the 70s and 80s and nobody makes anymore. And uh, it would be nice if they did. And this one is a really good example of that. Marcia Gay Harden has a supporting role as a, a Portuguese Italian con countess <laughs> who constantly calls him Flesh, who is uh, hysterically <laughs> funny every throughout the film. This has been a very good year for Marcia Gay Harden if you uh, if you watched her on that um, the Netflix show with with uh, Neil Patrick Harris or on CBS's uh, uh, So Help Me Todd, but anyway, yeah, Confess Fletch. It's a hoot, a fun ensemble cast of people, and just like breezy and zippy and real entertaining. Yeah, you you rarely see Marsha Gay Harden just to like get to be that goofy. Yeah, <laughs> like it is just like unleashed. It is a lot of fun. I, there's yeah, that's move. That's a movie that since I've seen it, I I, I haven't rewatched it yet, but I keep thinking like. Maybe I just want to rewatch yeah. Confess Fletch. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got that it's a comfort like, vibe. Movie. Like, I think part out. of what is like that the Fletch character is goofy, but not like a big character. So you can surround him with like big side characters yeah. like, that are funny. Like, uh, what's her name from uh, Barb and Star, who's really yes. great? Yeah, Annie Mumolo. Yeah. Yeah, she's fucking great in it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, well, I haven't seen it yet. I only watch old black and white movies from other countries. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I saw right. so Why are you the mad about movies being long like <laughs> these days? <laughs> Rolls right off your back. I just did my list of movies I saw for the first time in 2022, and The Big City was one of them, and it's great. Oh, it's really great. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of things that were a lot of fun, it was a lot of fun to have you on, Alonzo. <laughs> See? See that? That's podcasting, wow. guys. Um, this, is, that's the kind of that's the kind of smoothness that only comes from doing this show for fifteen years, <laughs> and it comes and goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Segway King Alonso. Is, is there anything that you want to plug before we do our sign off stuff? 
Uh, sure. Yes, please. Uh, as Elliot mentioned at the top of the show, check out my Christmas movie books. Uh, I have another book project that I'm working on now that'll be happening in 2024. So more on that later. Uh, you can read my stuff at The Wrap. Uh, and of course, check out my podcast, Linoleum Knife, which I've been doing for a mere 12 years with my husband, Dave White. Also, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. Uh, I'm a frequent contributor to Deck the Hallmark. And here on the Maximum Fun Network, of course, you can catch me on Maximum Film with Ify Wadaway and Dre Clark. Uh, so please do do and uh, it's always a delight to to hang out with you guys and, and do the show and and wishing everybody a very happy holiday thank you thank you very much thanks for, so much for joining us today i uh those there are a lot of great podcasts that you're involved with linoleum knife is a particular favorite of mine and i feel like oh, for you. any listener who hasn't tried it you should and if you if you like the idea if you like that this episode had a mix of talking about a movie and talking about a sandwich that you could make <laughs> i feel like that's the kind of promise linoleum knife fills constantly <laughs> Where I feel like it's like I want to know what Dave's been cooking and I want to know what movies they watched and what they thought about them. That's as good a description as I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, well, as for us, we are, as Alonzo mentioned, on the Maximum Fun uh, podcasting network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out Alonzo's show and other shows. Uh, some of them are funny. Some of them tell you stuff. Some of them do both. Um, <laughs> what, what more do you want? Uh, thank you to Alex Smith, our producer. He is at Howell Dottie on Twitter. Although these days I'm like, should we even be telling people what yeah, our right. Twitter handles are? Is that a thing we want to do? Who cares? Uh, uh, but as as long as you know it's happening, we'll 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 just let you know, and maybe we'll check in every once in a while and say hi. Uh, anyway, that was a real <laughs> side tangent at the very end of the episode. But for the flop house, that kind of that kind of that kind of elegance only comes with doing the podcast for fifteen <laughs> years. Stuart's nodding. I'm Stuart Wellington of the plop, flop house oh, pod I'm, class. I'm Dan McCoy pod class. <laughs> See? I'm I'm Ellie Kalen. I'm not even going to try to say the name of the podcast because I'll mess it up. And we've had. Oh, we. What? Uh, this Alonzo. is your cue. Oh, Alonzo. Sorry. Oh, my God. Hi. I, I've been Alonzo Duraldi. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. You know, uh, I'll I'll take the heat on that one. Mm. I kind of messed everything up. Mm. No, no. It, no, no. We went over this earlier. but I uh, had you know. one instruction. It shows how it shows what a natural fit and what a great guest you are for us. <laughs> that it's like it's like we need a guest who's great at what he does, but also messes up sometimes. So we mess up all the time. Yeah, to make us look normal. Mm-hmm. Done and like done. Anyone who comes in who's, who's, who's too professional makes us look terrible. So, it just confuses yeah. us. Uh, I'm talking about you, Roman Mars, Ooh. being so good at what you do. Anyway, for the Flophouse, that's been us. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. You don't have to do it again, Dan. Bye. Bye. Yeah, just tell Alex to, like, fade that last bit kind of out a little bit. <laughs> No, but guys, I'm about to drink this Waterloo pineapple-flavored uh, seltzer. Is it going to have a positive effect on my loads, Elliot? Uh, based on the based on the erotic fiction I've read, yes, probably. Great. So, yeah. Yeah. If it were actual pineapple, maybe, but I think mm-hmm. given yeah. that most of fruit-flavored seltzer just sort of waved in front of a picture of that fruit, I think <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. I told them it might make it seem, it seem oh, fizzy. But, but get back now, to us later and let us know. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, this is only this is only based on my reading of the, the erotic literature for my very specific fetish. Uh, that, of course, is the Rata Spewy series about a rat mm, who cooks oh, food gosh. and then ejaculates onto it. 
Uh-huh. So he always eats fresh fruit so uh-huh. it tastes yeah. better. That's the secret ingredient. And they can't what? let the, the restaurant critics know or the health department because uh-huh. that would be – they'd instantly the shut down a restaurant. <laughs> or the customers for that matter. No yeah. one is happy about I mean, this arrangement might, other no. than the rat. <laughs> and the rat loves but it. But oh, the flavor profile. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.